Hey guys, and welcome to another episode of Parent Q Live with not one, not two, but three people around the table. Um, Carlos, Cristina, and uh, Reggie. I was huh. waiting to hear you do that one. Yeah. I know. I was going to have... It's really Reginald, if you want to be correct. Uh, oh, Reginald. Okay. <laughs> I mean, I think you just blew that intro. Like that's on the birth certificate? And we know why I'm here. No, we, that we, is not on the birth certificate. We know why I'm here today, because I am the oldest. Yes. And we're Wisest? talking... Well, I didn't say anything about wise. I just... We, we're, I'm here because I was born in the 60s, and we're talking about peace today, and that was the era of the peace child. So... Yeah. I'm talking about peace today with you guys. Yes, I you guess are. that's why you've invited Did me you to have be here. Like shirts with peace signs. Listen, on them, I had I had the Beatles haircut. I had <laughs> Did you really? shell necklaces. necklaces. I had. I mean, I had all of that. I had all of that, and the and the floral silk shirts no. over the leisure that's suits. That's amazing. I mean, can we link some of that in the is show it, notes? Is there, can no. I just see it now? I mean, is there no, photos somewhere I can no see? There's no way. The times were more. Colorful? We talked more about peaceful peace then. I mean, I was going to say they were more peaceful, but we were actually at war. So right, um, right. Which which I I, I do want to say, you know, because people say all the time we live in the most stressful times and we live in you know. But I mean, come on, it's just sixties and seventies, man. I'm well, telling I mean, you, you had to go to war. You were like, yeah, yeah. So it was stressful. Maybe there's always been a little bit of conflict. Yeah, always. Oh, there's always a need to yeah. to bring peace into conversation. Well, and it's always interesting to me. This is just a sidebar, but it's always interesting to me how people who fight for peace have a lot of anger and they're very mad and they fight for peace. Yes. So there's something wrong with the way we resolve things, which yeah. I think is the basis of this conversation. Yes, absolutely. There's there, there's there's a healthier way to do this. There's a healthier way. And to why ask. is this important for parents? Well, I mean, I think if your house has no conflict then maybe this episode is going to be not relevant for you. Yeah, yeah. Any zero-conflict households, go ahead and skip it. Yeah, yeah, But for the rest of us, for most of us, we need to understand that conflict is a healthy thing. Actually, if your house has zero conflict, we would encourage you to in, inject a little bit of conflict into your house. <laughs> Absolutely. Because it would be a great teaching and learning opportunity. And if your house has zero conflict, you're probably hiding something. <laughs> <laughs> so, so let's true. not wait for that bomb to blow up. Right. So if we were talking to parents today about why this is important and why we want them to model what conflict resolution looks like so that there's not the kind of fighting and war between relationships that would happen in their home or in school, what, what, what would we say are the reasons for this? Well, I think every person really needs to learn how to navigate conflict re resolution because we do live in a world with conflict. And so... You have to grow up and have the skills to know how to negotiate, to how to have a conversation with someone when you maybe aren't going to be ex agreeing yeah. exactly on the same point, but you could still walk away with a relationship and a respect for each other. And if our kids don't learn how to do conflict resolution, they're going to grow up with just a long list of broken relationships yeah. coming along behind them. Well, and and I also think that you know these days we're seeing people in conflict on stages. And these mm. stages are called social media now, and so right. so Good. now now we're having we're having arguments in front of the world, and right. so I just think it's more important for us to to get to this a lot faster now with our kids a lot younger, uh, because they're they're going to be doing this not just in their behind closed doors but in front of their world. And it all comes down to words, really, what what is being said to us, what we say, and we're suggesting today that as we talk about this, that the power of listening could be a key and to how we resolve conflict. And that is going to be learned first at home mm. right. with the parent. Right. So 
in my own home, my kids are a little bit younger, two, six, and eight. Um, and there's not always just this natural, innate skill of listening, if I'm honest with you. There's <laughs> you a lot of talking, there's yeah. a lot of opinions, but there's not always just a natural sense of listening both to each other, listening to us as parents, and probably really like as a parent, listening to them and everything that they're saying. So, so I mean, keep going. So, so what do you do? I mean, what, what, what do you do? With I'm the, here the, to learn the, from oh, you, really? Carlos yeah, I think and we're Reggie. We're all going to listen to each other, right. maybe, maybe in this. And, <laughs> so but, but what we're suggesting, and this is the hard part of this, so what yeah. we're suggesting is they're going to learn how they listen from the parent. Yes. Hmm. So it starts with the parent and how the parent listens. So as you're listening to us talk about listening, yeah. you might want to make sure that you're listening from the perspective of how does this apply to you as a mom or dad. Yeah. And then... How are you going to require that or expect that of your kids or coach them to do that? Yeah, yeah. Right? Right. I found a lot of, um, in my own world, it has to do with the things that keep me or prevent me from hearing what they're saying. Right? So there's so many things that come into my life. Part of that is just busyness. What's going on on my phone? What's going on in my adult world that distracts me and makes me kind of self-absorbed, if I'm honest, or absorbed in another yeah. task? Instead of tuning in, making eye contact, really listening to the words that you my have kids to do are it saying on purpose. I mean, you, you you really have to do it on purpose. I can't tell you the number of times that it, it'll take four times from my youngest, my eleven year old, dad, 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 and I'm not even looking at my phone. I'm I'm not even. But there is so much going on in my brain that and dad, and I realize, oh. He's asked for my attention four times, and I still haven't given it. Well, to him. and again, because I'm seasoned and I'm old, if I could go back to the 80s when the Mac Macintosh first came out, yeah. I remember the lure of that technology in 1985 when yeah. my son was a toddler. I'm looking in this Mac Plus. No, most of you have never heard of a Mac Plus. <laughs> doing design and graphics for the first time, and I'm just elated. And literally what you just said is true. My son got into this habit of saying, Daddy, 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 Daddy. Yeah before I would ever turn around so much to the fact that one time I just decided, you know, I'm going to listen to him. And the first time he said, daddy, I turned and looked and he said, daddy, nine more times before he looked at me. <laughs> he didn't know what to do. I mean, no, he'd said he it nine more times him. before he looked at me oh, because yeah, he was he, just, yeah. Yeah. yeah so it was yeah. Habit. And I think there's times too, though, when it's necessary not to listen, especially if you're raising younger kids, their stream of conscious is going to be constant all day long. So to have this idea, like idea in our minds that maybe we're going to listen to every single word they say sure. is unrealistic. And yet sometimes I think it's helpful when we can articulate or tell our kids, okay, I can't listen to this story right now, mm -hmm. Sure. but I want to listen to you later sure. just so that they're aware that you're not ignoring them and you're not trying to say what they're talking about is not important. But now is not going to be the moment. Yeah. Um, now, of course, in my world, it's usually like, I'll listen to you in two minutes, which they know means about 30. Yes. Um, so getting <laughs> good at give, setting those expectations is pretty helpful. So let's get practical. I mean, first okay. of all, I think if we're going to be listening to each other in a better way, we need to know what to do when someone else is talking. Absolutely. So what does that look like? I mean, what, what do we do when someone else is talking? So when it comes time to actually listen, you're available to listen, you're yep, ready to listen. Right. Um, I mean, first of all, it starts with your eyes, yeah. right? It starts okay. with your face. Do something with your face. Yeah. Listen to somebody with their face so that you make eye contact, mm -hmm. um, so that your expression feels relevant to the thing that they're saying. Because I think so often 
we can read each other's facial expressions and go, you've tuned me out. You're somewhere else mentally. Yes. Um, and our kids know that. Yeah. And maybe one of the most important parts of your face is your eyes. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. I remember the other day we were talking to teenagers and asking them the question, um, who are the teachers or the leaders that have influenced you the most in life? And one young lady named Ayata, who we're working with as an intern, said to us, well, this one teacher was the one that I think cared the most about me. And Chef asked her the question, one of our leaders, why did you think she cared about you? And she said, because of the way she looked at me with her eyes when I talked. Mm-hmm. So just wow. that one simple thing communicates mm-hmm. something very, very powerful about how you're interested in someone else and what they're saying. Absolutely. Because our eyes are just not, and you can tell when somebody is done with you and they're looking past oh, yeah. you. Right. Even, even with your eyes, if they're looking at you, you can tell they're not really looking Or looking at for you. what is next yes. or who is next. Yes. or yeah, in the line or whatever that may be. That's good. I think another thing that happens sometimes when we're listening to people is we start to formulate our own come back our own argument yeah. the next thing we're going to say in in our brain and so i don't know if you guys resonate with this but i know in my house there's a lot of interrupting mm. like cutting somebody so off. anyway i think that was a great <laughs> idea that you're talking about just then but i'm not sure Go As ahead. I was yeah saying, anyway so i think it's important yeah. that we make sure we understand what it means to interrupt because it's not like any of us would ever do that never never not not adults not, never not at all go ahead what were you saying or hijacking a conversation no not else. at all go ahead Kristen. say what you're saying <laughs> Well, I mean, generally speaking, no, I think we just tend to get either louder or more confrontational when we get interrupted because interrupting communicates that what you're saying isn't really important. It doesn't really matter. What I have to say is more important. Um, and so I know that's just this natural tendency to go, hey, if you're going to really listen to somebody, it's waiting till they finish. Well, and, and we want to, if they're saying something that you don't agree with, you want to say, but, 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 you know, and that's always that. Like, well, let me finish, you know, and it's like, no, d- remove the butts, you know, r- remove the butts. Well, that's and, that uh, defense mechanism that kicks in where you're trying to win again an argument. And yeah. the whole definition we use for peace is proving you care more about each other than winning the argument. And so if you take winning the argument off the shelf, and this isn't about winning anything or making a point, this is really about understanding each other. Yeah. It, it sets up a different precedent. Yeah. Right. And I think when you were talking just then said, but, 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 there's also something about when it is your time to talk. What are the words that you're going to use in yes. that conversation? Because I know it's easy to begin the conversation with but or no or mm-hmm. something that's just immediately That's defensive. not right. Right. Yeah. Absolutely. You know, I, I also think that um, practically speaking, if we're just talking about listening, uh, I mean, the thing that interrupts most conversations is going to be our digital devices is going to be. So one thing that we do in our home is is we always just flip them over. Like so, that, that that's it. We, I'm not. We're not saying go put it somewhere else. Flip it over. Notifications are going to go off. Mm. There's just something about when s- you're talking to someone and they just even glance at their phone. Yep. Oh, <laughs> it's it's horrible. For you a know? season, when the Apple Watch first came oh. out, I had a season where I just could not have conversations because someone would be looking at their watch every time there was a message or yeah. notification. But it is okay if I text and interrupt. While I'm doing <laughs> right, this right, right. Right. I got to text somebody right now. Anyway, I'm sorry about that. That's okay. <laughs> But it always made me think they were checking the time, you know, and there's oh, nothing wow. more oh, yeah. like alarming when you're in the middle of a conversation and somebody looks at a clock <laughs> and you're like, okay, you got to go. I get it. Yeah, I get like, it. A message communicated. Yeah. Just flip the phones over. You know. So you do something with your butts, do something with your phone, <laughs> do something with your face or your eyes. We're, what, we're on to something. What, what about, well, here's another thing to do. And, and I think Kristen, you talked about this with us one time. Sometimes you just have to do something else. 
Yeah, yeah, when you're stuck. I think sometimes I watch um, in my own home, especially with our family, maybe my kids have a conflict um, and they're playing a game and they just can't resolve it. And, you know, I'll go through the steps of, you know, are you, are you playing in a way that's fun for everybody? Or, you know, have you listened to why your sister's upset? And having these conversations, trying to prompt some conflict resolution, but it's just not happening. Yeah. There comes a point where we just go, okay, we're going to put this game away and we're going to go do something else fun together mm. to connect relationally for a minute because there's something that's kind of gotten in the way. And that can happen um, even with older kids or even, you know, as adults. Adults. We start fighting about an issue and we hit this point where it's like, you know what? This issue has become bigger than our relationship. We need to pause for a second on the issue and go just have fun together, connect relationally, show each other that, yeah. you know, we still like each other before we come back to tackle that thing. No, that, that's good. That's good. And I, I think for, you know, anybody listening, that's going to look different for everybody. I mean, wh whatever, you know, is fun to you. And sometimes it has to be fun. It doesn't have to be fun. Just go do something else. You know, something that that you know is going to let you just breathe for a second. So I think that's a great list. A great list of some things we should do to help us model listening and help us teach our kids how to listen. Um, what about what we say? I mean, we got to know what to say as well. So let's talk for a few minutes about actually what we say as a part of the conversation and the dialogue that yeah. needs to exist if we're going to yeah. resolve issues. Yeah. You mean like words that you say yeah, that are like not peaceful? <laughs> yeah. yeah. Well, I mean, <laughs> I think along along this path, I mean, either... You're wrong about what that. We say, yeah. No, I'm not wrong about that. <laughs> yes, and you're wrong. No, I'm not. You and are. But, no. But, but, <laughs> but... So I think on the positive side of this, instead of you guys attacking me the way that you are, we yes. can talk about what it means to have a conversation... And when it's my turn or when we're trying to lead the conversation, what do we do? Yeah. Yeah. I saw something on Instagram just this morning that I think was a really great example or word of wisdom yep. on that, where a friend of mine posted from her eighth grade son's essay, and he had written about conflict resolution. And his eighth grade kid said this. He said, if you're going to change someone else's mind, it's not going to help to offend them. <laughs> Eighth grade wisdom we could all learn from. That would be great for politicians, actually. Yeah, absolutely. All I'm of them. I'm not going to go there. Um, but I do think in conversations, as we're trying to have a, have a conversation, a dialogue, it's important, and this is an old technique that we've all been taught, to say it back. Yes. To say back what you feel like they have said to make sure you're understanding what they actually said. Absolutely. The, the way that my therapist would tell me to do this in conflict resolution with my spouse would be Heather. So what I, what I hear you saying is this. So that, that's, that's exactly right. what we say every single time. What I, and then what that does is allows the other person on the other side of the conflict to say, actually, no, you've heard me wrong. And wow, what, what a great first step when it comes to, you know, what because you the goal is to understand the goal is to understand what's really going on because no one can feel like you're resolving anything. If you haven't heard them. That's great. And you know what? I think there could be a great conversation here just to talk about what happens in the heart of a person when they go through life with the people that are closest to them and they're never heard. Mm -hmm. Sure. Because there is this, this thing that happens, mm -hmm. I think, in the, in the development of a child when they feel like they're never heard, never heard, never heard. And I think it's the root of a lot of anger and a lot of other issues. Oh, yeah. That's really good. 
there is a sense in which in our own homes, if we want to advocate for our kids to have conflict resolution skills, part of it, I think we've been talking a lot about is how to listen and pause if your kid is kind of eager to jump in, eager to conflict. But there's probably a whole different conversation for a kid who tends to withdraw mm -hmm. and hold back and the skills that are required so that they can let their voice be heard so they're not holding on to that. And I, I have actually in, in my life and the few things that I feel like I have done right as a parent, I've got a whole list of things I haven't done right. I learned something a long time ago that sometimes you need to talk about difficult issues in a non-confrontational way. Mm. And when you're throwing a baseball or riding in the car, sometimes that's less threatening yes. than sitting across the table from somebody, putting your phone down, looking in the eye and go, okay, now tell me what's wrong. Yeah, I mean, because I think for some children, That's which good. are absolutely right, right there, there really is this, I need space or I need the right safe environment before I can really talk to you about this. And I feel intimidated mm -hmm. when you're expecting me to say it a certain way. And so there is this thing in conversation to maybe create a moment or to create an environment to back away figure out a space to do this in a, in a better way. Yeah. And, and, and to let, you know, if we're talking about our kids and parenting and crucial conversations with our kids, get, you're right. Some of our kids need more space than we, we do and even more time than we do. So a lot of times, you know, my, my 11 year old is probably the most in tune with this. Uh, he will, if it's, if it's in the middle of something really intense, he will walk away and say, mom, dad, I need a few minutes. And he will, he will go for a few minutes and then it may take 30. Then he'll come back and he say, okay, I'm ready. And it's like, I wish I could do that. <laughs> you know, like, yeah, yeah, it's amazing. That's very I've weird. also encouraged kids from time to time to write it down. Mm -hmm. Oh, yeah. Because I think sometimes the, the art of conversation, especially if you're not verbal, um, you know you're not going to win. Mm. But if you can write down what you're thinking, then sometimes that gives you a little bit of a lever to say, mm -hmm. okay, here's how I feel in a way that they can feel listened to and heard. So. I think today there's so much opportunity on social media for kids to do that, mm -hmm. that they do tend to use social media in some of those outlets because it's easier to write it there where there's not another face looking directly at you yeah. when you're taking something that's kind of a heavier topic or something you disagree with or something you're angry about. Um, but maybe giving our kids a better space to write it down where it's seen by only a few or mm -hmm. seen by um, a community that is safe like, hey, you could always email me or you can always private message me or whatever. Giving them a way to leverage that device and that social media uh, would be another way That's to good. encourage that skill. So when we're saying you know what to say, we're talking about repeating back what they're saying so you understand it. We're talking about another thing that I think. Is, is critical to this, and that's learning to ask the right kinds of questions. Oh, absolutely. Because sometimes there are certain questions that when we ask them, give them the freedom to express something that they need to express. Yeah. That if we don't um, strategically ask those questions, I think sometimes even repeatedly ask those questions in the course of a week or the course of a day to allow them to, to let something go, something can stay unresolved. Mm. So what are some of these questions? Yeah, what does that look like when you're in the middle of a conflict? What are the kinds of questions that are most helpful? I think questions like, what, what do I do to make you feel that way? What could I do differently so that I wouldn't make you feel that way? Mm. How mm. long have you felt that or carried that? Mm. Um, are there things um, that you wish would be different that we could work on together? What can we do together 
to try to make this better? I mean, I, I just think to include them in the solution so that you're not trying to just fix it. Yeah. And you're helping them understand that this is something we're going to work on together is huge. It's massive. It's massive. I, I know. I mean, this just happened for my family um, last week in, in, in Orlando. We were at Universal Studios. And I'm just thinking that this is going to be the greatest day of my kids' lives. We're going to Harry Potter World. We're, and my youngest was just not having a good time. And um, I, I actually had. Did, to did you punish him for that? You should. <laughs> you should I, punish them. I've with never not seen a, good a time. family that's at an amusement park not having right, fun. Right. Yeah. It's yeah. yeah, the happiest place on earth. All of them right, are. Right. Right. Yes. You know? Every but, family. But, but but to come to find out, I had to ask the questions to get to the point where where what's wrong? He really, he, Dad. I don't. I'm scared of all these rides. Yeah. And then I'm, I'm sitting there going, I'm, I have now taken my son. He's been thinking about this for days. I never asked him the question. He's been scared for days about going to this park to be scared all day. I'm like, what a horrible day, you know? And so again, just asking those questions, getting to the bottom of things. And then, uh, and then, and then we were able to do things that he wanted to do. Or you could just make him ride the scary make him rides. Ride the, make him ride the rides. I right. did that once. <laughs> and it was the most awful thing as a parent I ever did in my life. Oh yeah. My son would not talk to me the rest of the day. How I mean, I just, I just violated the yeah. safety. I'm sure, like, yes, yeah. you can ride that ride. Get on that ride. Yep. You'll enjoy it. <laughs> The whole time he's riding it, he's miserable. He gets off it. He hates me. I mean, it's just like, okay, oh, man. bad, bad parenting decision. There is that hard, fine line when you're trying to navigate conflict and tension, though, and you go, I want to believe what you say. And then also when you're raising a child, go like, I can't, I have to know where to push you yes. just enough to experience something new, but maybe not so much that I don't hear what you've just told me and yeah. don't trust what you just told me. Yeah, so believing what they say, though, is important. That's another thing that I think we need to know mm. how or what to say. It's got to start with believing what they say and instead of correcting their feelings. I think we're good at that. Oh, oh no, you don't oh, yeah. feel that way. Mm. Why do you feel that way? You shouldn't feel that way. Because I know my truth. And the, right, the, right. The, the truth for me isn't the same as the You're truth. You're buying into something that's a lie. You yeah. shouldn't believe that. Why would you believe that? And But the point is... They believe it so deeply that it is true for them. Yeah. And it's like we can't correct that in the moment. One way I see that show up is in conflicts that happen in a classroom at school. So kids come home maybe and they tell you a story about something they were frustrated with their teacher about. Um, and so as a parent, you're caught usually in this world sure. of like, okay, one response would just be to say, no, you're wrong about that. Your teacher's right. I've met your teacher. She's a good teacher. Just get over it, right? Because she's yeah. the adult in the room. The other way would be to go, oh my goodness, I'm so sorry. Let me step in. Let me fix that for you. Let me take care of that. Your teacher's a horrible person. Mm -hmm. yeah. Throw them under the bus. Throw yeah. the teacher under the bus. And yet somewhere, if you want your kid to develop conflict resolution, there's this middle ground. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So talk to me about the middle ground. What is what is the middle ground and what do you do in that say, case? You, you gave me what not to do in two different <laughs> ways. So tell me That's what, what to do. That's what I'm here for, Reggie. I tell you what not to do. Because you've got a really bad teacher or a really bad kid so somewhere in between oh, those gosh. two. I don't know that I know the answer. That's why I just uh, pitched it out there for you to fix. No, I, I think there needs to be an attempt to try um, to help a kid navigate it on their own. To begin to ask questions like, yeah. why might your teacher have said that to you? You know, And help your kid walk through this practice of maybe empathy for the teacher, imagining what might have been going on, trying to get into this story a little bit, and then giving them practical skills what could you do tomorrow to go make this better or to fix this situation? I think, I think you're right. And we're kind of back to the ask questions piece a little bit, because I think sometimes we are much better equipped as parents to give advice 
than we are to ask questions and to help them discover. And I think there's something about asking questions instead of making a point that softens the discussion in a way where there's a discovery that can happen that's much more powerful than you simply stating to them, this is reality. Yeah. You know, driving them to your conclusion. So, no, I, I love that. I love that. Say it back, ask more questions, and then believe what they say. What's next? One more thing. I think yeah. we can talk about this. Use safe words instead of fighting words. Mm-hmm. I mean, in our language and our tone and, and how we um, carry the conversation with the actual words we choose to use, yeah. we either create a safe place or not safe place, yeah. right? What are some oh. of these words? Gosh, some unsafe words? Yeah, what are some unsafe words, Kristen? Can you make me feel unsafe right now? <laughs> you always. Oh. Uh, you never. Oh. I mean... You do that Absolutely. just like your dad. Oh, wow. Oh, oh. And she oh. is just like her mom. Oh, I'm telling oh. you, she really is. Whoa. Always. Times. Always. <laughs> so, I mean, I, I do think those absolutes are, are definite things that we should keep off the vocabulary list when we're having a conversation. Right. Yeah. Usually Not atta- that that ever happens in marriage, but anyway. <laughs> Attacking somebody's character, making it a character issue usually instead of making it about a situational thing right yeah, now what's wrong with you to say you know. that yeah you are just angry yeah right yeah. you just got a problem i mean I, I don't know any of these words guys okay I'm, <laughs> I'm the safest conversationalist in the room uh-huh. so i don't even yeah. know this so so, so carlos right since now. you're the safe one in the conversation what are some safe <laughs> no, words no 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 let's just call his wife right now i think that we should do go ahead let's ask her what she thinks what are so what are safe words that you can use Gosh, uh, you instead know, well i just think if you don't use the uh, absolutes i mean uh, as long as you're not using absolutes um, safety is going, going to go a lot higher, you know? Um, and and I think it always, I mean, it, for me at least, um, with my kids and in my relationships, it always goes back to really hearing what they're, the other person is saying. If, if you can get that down, then, then I I think you're going to lose a lot of these, you know, issues with not fighting words and things like that. You know, once you hear somebody, I think there's accusations we make sometimes too. We, we jump to a conclusion and accuse someone of something in the conversation because we want to feel vindicated or more right or more moral. Mm. And I really do think if we can give them the moral, if we can take the moral high ground somehow in the conversation and make them look less than, yeah. we feel superior and like we can win the conversation. And the other thing, I, this is going to sound crazy, but don't use God to win your argument. Sure. I mean, no. don't, I mean, don't, God don't told get me. your, don't, yeah, yeah, this is, this is how God wants you to think or feel. And right. I'm like, right. sometimes we use God as a playing card to win an argument and we just set kids up in a way to go, okay, so God and you agree, but I still feel this way. So mm, what right. do I do with that? Or if you are bringing God into the argument, that it's not for more shame. In, in other oh, words, that's good. You know, God doesn't want you to be angry like you are right now. Yeah. Um, adds more shame instead of saying, you know what, God made you to be an incredible person and I see value in you and you can leverage that to go, you know, I see an amazing person right yeah. now. I don't know what is making you feel so upset or so angry. Why are you? So there's two, there's different ways to bring God into the conversation. One to add value to the kid yeah. and to speak into their character positively and then try to figure out what's going on yeah, who on they the are, other who, side. How does God see them? You know, that's always going to be a win. So we hope this has been helpful as you've listened through this to remember just this one simple idea that your kids are going to learn how to resolve conflict, and that's going to be a critical skill for them. And where they're going to learn how to resolve conflict is from you. So how you resolve conflict is going to be very, very important as a parent or as a leader. 
And I don't know, maybe you learned how to resolve conflict from your parents and somewhere in the cycle of learning this skill, you've got to develop, you know, some new tools to put in your, your toolbox to be able to do this better. One thing we all mentioned a while ago that I would say at the conclusion of this, and I think we'd all agree about this, is that once this is all over and you've taken your best shot at resolving a problem, yeah. then just go play. Yeah. Because there's nothing, there's nothing um, that will indicate to a child there's been resolution and that you are okay with them, like just having fun together, right? Absolutely. No, it's true. It's true. So it'll allow you to breathe, and it just it just does bring bring some sort of balance and breath back into we it. We like to say that fun authenticates forgiveness. Ooh, I like that. I like that we like to say that. <laughs> so good. So listen, uh, this is what I want everybody to do. Um, if, if We're going to have all the show notes, uh, and we've talked about a lot. We've had a lot of steps here. Um, even if you just remember one or two of these things, um, I think it'll benefit um, a lot of conflict resolution in your life. But we, if you just head over to theparentq.org slash episode 67, theparentq.org slash episode 67, show notes are going to be there. Um, please, please, please share this with your friends, with your family, uh, head over to Spotify or to iTunes, leave us a couple ratings so that other people can find the podcast as well. So for Reggie, for Kristen, this is Carlos Whitaker saying we'll see you next time on Parent Q Live. Mm-hmm.